This is What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. This week, I'm talking to Jessica Goodman, who has a new book, They'll Never Catch Us, coming out on July 27th from Razorbill. Uh, so we get into talking about this book. We also talk about her debut, which is called They Wish They Were Us, and what it was like to write that, kind of get into how she started to become a writer, and how that first book is going to be a series on HBO Max. So love talking to Jessica. Hope you enjoy listening to it. So listen in. So Jessica, what book hooked you? Oh man, I love this question because I was such an avid reader from a really, really, really young age. Like I was that kid who, when I was four or five years old, my parents were like, what do you want for Hanukkah? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want all of the Berenstein Bear books. (laughs) And at the time they gifted them to me for that Hanukkah. And that was like the biggest gift of my entire life, probably thus far. Um, so I could say the Berenstein Bear series, um, because they were definitely like my intro to reading, but, um, in terms of YA books, like the book that really hooked me was Megan McCafferty's sloppy first series, the Jessica Darling series. Um, I just found in those characters, people that seemed really real, they seemed like me, um, you know, Jessica, obviously my name, but, um, you know, talking like reading about people who are real and flawed and teenagers and they were messy and fun and funny. Um, I think that's what really hooked me. And there were other books, uh, from that era, you know, my tweenhood that also really stick with me that I come back to over and over again. Um, including Go Ask Alice, which I feel like Mm. everybody has read. Um, But that to me really piqued my interest in the darker side of literature Mm. and what you can learn from these kinds of stories. Um, And I was also just obsessed with the Sweet Valley High series, which Mm. I feel like everyone around my age is as well. (laughs) So let me ask you, because I don't know if anyone's ever brought up Go Ask Alice, but I read it too. When you read it, was it still presented to you as this was a real story? Yes. And I think that's what, that's why I was so obsessed with it. Um, because the, you know, they were framing it as this has happened to somebody in real life. And, you know, as a young person who didn't have that much exposure to, to those kinds of dark things, you know, thankfully, um, it was shocking. It was so, right. so, so shocking to me. Yeah. Cause I remember it cause same thing, read it and was like riveted and scared she was in the closet for some reason. I remember it's been a while since I read the book. Yeah, so it's horrifying. You, big reader, uh, was it, was that sort of, it sounds like it was sort of always the case, but you know, when, especially you got into adolescence, when you got, when you became a teenager, uh, so much of, of that time in life is so busy with whether it be school or other activities did reading still kind of maintain a good grasp on uh, your life as far as were you reading as much and as into books as you were previously and have become now? It's such an interesting question because I do feel like there's a big gap in my reading experience. Um, Like I was, I was just so obsessed with books. Like Mm -hmm. my head was always in a book probably until about early high school or maybe even late high school when I started to be more social and get really involved in extracurricular activities and become obsessed with applying for colleges and all these kinds of things. And once I got to college, I was not reading for pleasure as much as I had before. I was 
deeply involved with my social life and, and my college career and all of these kinds of things. And I don't really feel like I came back to reading in a really avid for pleasure way until my early twenties. Um, I started my career in journalism, in entertainment journalism specifically, and part of my job um, when I was an editor at Entertainment Weekly was covering books from you know a, a journalism perspective, and that's when I really became um, familiar with the publishing industry, the lingo like arcs and galleys, you know, talking about advanced copies, and when I was when I was um, reading books that were coming out, you know before everybody else was. And when I was really just like obsessed with reading for pleasure in a new way that I hadn't really in my late teenage and um, college years and coming back to it honestly felt like I had been missing so much from, from life before then. Like it was almost like I forgot how much, how important it had been to me and how, just how much I loved it and, and what, what kind of joy it could bring to my life. Um, and so since, since then, really, I mean, I am one of the most voracious readers I know, which, which is a good thing for, for my own career. Um, but having that in my life again is, I mean, I feel like a kid every time I open a new book um, and it's like the great, and I, you know, start reading and find myself not wanting to, to put it down. You know, it feels like it just, it feels like the best thing in the world. Mm. And so like during the time when you weren't reading as much, the high school and college time, you weren't reading for, for pleasure. You weren't reading your free time. Was there though a book that maybe was like required reading that like surprised you? Like you went into it, you were assigned this book and you ended up like enjoying it far and beyond what you ever would imagined. Totally. Yeah. There are two off the bat that I can think of. One was Cider House Rules. Mm. Um, I, I don't really remember like much about the book, uh, honestly, but I just remember being so obsessed with the book and re I think I read it like three times in a row because I just like loved it so much. And I watched the movie um, and just that, that feeling, that emotion of like loving that book so much um, was, was incredible. And then also I, I remember I had to read 1776 for school and I also fell in love with it. Um, I think that was like one of the first historical pieces of historical um, literature that I really, really loved. And then I remember, oh my God, all of these like moments are <laughs> flashing back to me. Uh, they're like coming back to me in a trance. Um, I distinctly remember my parents were taking me on a road trip to visit colleges and, you know, I was in the car a lot. And I think that's where I read a lot as a kid, you know, in the backseat of the car. Sure. And so I, I was reading, I can't remember what college we were going to, but I was reading the Tom Wolfe book, I Am Charlotte Simmons which um, if you're familiar with that book is about a young woman who is from, I think she's from App the Appalachia mountains and she is from small town, North Carolina. Um, and she goes to what is supposed to be Duke and kind of um, begins tutoring and befriending and maybe having a romantic relationship with the star of the basketball team. And it's about her coming of age and in a very, um, you know, in an environment that she is not used to in, in terms of, the class differences and the level of privilege. Um, and I remember being so affected by that book as well, obviously because of the place and time I was in. Um, but yeah, and then also if I could just say one more, um, I remember being on a spring break trip to Mexico in college where all my friends were like getting you know lit by the pool. And I was just like plowing through the marriage plot. And <laughs> like could not put it down while all my friends were taking tequila shots and having guac o'clock. And I was just like loving this book. Um, so those are like my key reading moments from, from that period of my life. 
when in your timeline did the idea of being a a writer of novels become a thing for you yeah so while I was in college I took a YA writing fiction class my junior year and I absolutely loved it um I actually started a version of they wish they were us in that class and it I just I know I I was a creative writing major so I was obviously taking a lot of writing classes but at the time I was mostly focused on nonfiction, narrative nonfiction, because I knew I wanted to go into journalism right after school um so this was the first real like kind of novel writing class that I was taking where I was working on fiction and more of a long form sort of structure. And um, I walked away from the class just really loving it and loving the experience. And my professor was so encouraging. And, you know, I kept her marked up. I think we had to walk away with um, 50 pages of a novel and an outline. And I walked away from that class also with her notes, which were so supportive and encouraging. And she wrote in the margins, like, I can't wait to see this published one day, like, keep going. This is great. And I kind of forgot about it until I was working at Entertainment Weekly and I was learning all about the publishing industry and I started to like get the bug, you know, I got Mm. the itch. I was like, I want to do this. I'm seeing other people do it. It finally feels like something that is doable. Like I'm learning about the market. I'm learning about agents and how the whole industry works. And what I was talking to one of my friends about it and she was like, whatever happened to that book that you started in college? And she was like, you should go back to it because she had read it um, when we were you know, much younger. And I pulled it out and I realized I liked the story. I liked the characters and I wanted to get back into it. And so slowly but surely I began chipping away at it. You know, I would be shocked if any of the lines that were in that project made it into the, uh, the actual version of They Wish They Were Us. But just having that encouragement from a young age, I think was so important for me. And, you know, knowing that there was at least one professional writer out there who thought that I could do it, um, definitely made, made me feel like I could. Um, and so picking that back up again was, was the best decision I ever made. That's great. And so since you mentioned it, uh, it wish they were us is your first book, uh, came out last year. Uh, so just briefly, let's just talk about it. first, tell me what the book's about. Yeah. Um, so they wish they were us follows Jill Newman, who is a senior at the very exclusive Gold Coast Prep on Long Island, and she's part of a secret society called The Players. Um, The Players have access to tons of study guides and sort of cheating-y type uh, files that help them with classes and uh, AP tests and SATs and, um, you know, getting into different colleges. And they're just the the cream of the crop in this school. Um, But when Jill was a freshman, her best friend Shayla was murdered during one of the hazing rituals that um, freshmen have to go through in order to become a player. And her Shayla's boyfriend, Graham, was convicted of killing her. Um, But senior year, Jill starts to get get text messages that suggest that Graham wasn't the one who killed her. So the book is about her deciding to um, avenge her best friend's murder and figuring out that, um, you know, one of the people who maybe killed Shayla was uh, an important part of Jill's life. I have a book here. I got a chance to read it. Um, So you started this, you said, back in college uh, during your creative writing class. So what was the initial thing that got you got you started to kind of choose this for that assignment? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I mean, I'm just always fascinated by um, privilege and Mm -hmm. and class differences. And I think I always have. Um, I went to a 
somewhat exclusive um, Quaker prep school growing up on Long Island um, that wasn't as uh, <laughs> intense or elitist as uh, Gold Coast prep, but it definitely had a lot of, um, it, there were a lot of, you know, things there that made me think about the way that the world worked and how privilege worked. And um, I, you know, I went to the University of Pennsylvania for college, which is also a very um, elite institution, obviously. And because the business school is so, uh, you know, towering there, I think, um, you know, you're around a lot of wealth in a lot of ways. And I was always very curious about the way that wealth um, influenced people who have it and who don't. And so I wanted to write a book about kids in this kind of school. Um, you know, some of them are scholarship students and feel completely inadequate, even though they have so much more than, than most of the world. Um, and so I wanted to write about you know, young women who go through this experience and find agency over their own lives um, and, and the and the ways in which they find out that they have more than they actually think they do. So that's a pretty long-winded uh, way of just saying that, that I'm fascinated by young women also. You know, obviously I was one and I think that teenage girls just have so much to say. And for, you know, in the past five to 10 years with um, the way that people have been you know, responding to YA, not only literature, but also, you know, movies and TV about what young women, I think it's really heartening to see that people are really starting to take these characters seriously and understand that young women really have something valuable to say. Um, so I always wanted to write about young women. That was never the question for me and setting them in this kind of prep school that was um, steeped in this kind of privilege. I think it was just, just a no brainer. Um, and yeah, I just, I wanted to write something that was really fun and entertaining. And to me, that means a thriller. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that kind of, with those kinds of stories. Um, and so, yeah, that I was just all of these kinds of things that I like and that I'm interested in um, coming together and then figuring out the best plot in order to make the points I wanted to. Great. And so with this story having, you know, started back when you were in college and it came out last year, but lo and behold, it's the middle of the pandemic. Was that was that really kind of like a looking back on it, even though it's only been like a not even quite a year now, was that what was that experience like? <laughs> you have your be, debut novel that's been hanging around for so many years now. And then like it doesn't did it feel like you didn't have like a proper like send out of it or kind of like walk me through your, yeah. your memories there? Oh, man, the, I feel like the pan, the people who debuted in, during the pandemic we all have a, a real unbreakable bond, you know, it's like being, being going through war together. Um, you know, I, my book came out in August of the pandemic, in August, 2020. And because of that, I actually think I'm pretty lucky by that time, a lot of distributors and bookstores and even the publishers had really figured out a way to do publishing in the pandemic. Like I got to have a fantastic virtual launch event with Greenlight Books in my, you know, where I live in Brooklyn. And I was able to go into bookstores and sign books and it was great. And I have friends that debuted in March and April, 2020, and they couldn't do any of that. And their books were like completely sold out at your, you know, out of stock and like, they couldn't even be printed. Like there were so many issues in the backlog. Um, in the early part of the pandemic that I feel like those authors really had a much, much harder time than I did. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not the way that like I expected to debut. Um, and my second book, uh, they'll never catch us is coming out in July. And I think we all kind of hoped last year that, you know, this year would be a little bit different, but it definitely looks like 
um, you know, we're still going to be having virtual launch events and I'm still going to be, you know, going into bookstores with a mask on and all that stuff is fine. It is what it is. And I'm huh. definitely like, I have no, um, qualms about it, but, um, it's, it's wild, you know? And I think, I, I think I'm just grateful that I've been able to see the book in stores and that the book is connected with so many people, um, who've been posting about it online. And I think, you know, what other authors have told me about like being able to connect with readers in person, like, I definitely feel like I have been able to online. Um, and in some ways it kind of levels the playing field, you know, so folks who aren't close to indie bookstores can still get that author interaction, um, in a way that, might have been limited before, or, you know, I, like, I hope moving into the next era in the post pandemic, I, we're still able to like have virtual events sure. and connect yeah. with so many readers who, who we wouldn't otherwise, but um, yeah, wild times. Absolutely. And so you mentioned uh, your newest book, uh, They'll Never Catch Us, which comes out on July the 27th. So let's focus on this one now and start off. Uh, what's this book about? But They'll Never Catch Us follows two sisters, Ellie and Stella Steckler, who are both the most competitive cross-country racers in their town. They um, are also super, super different, even though they're only 14 months apart, and they're both gunning to be the best on the team. But when a new girl, Mila Keen, comes to town, she threatens to be better than both of them. And the girls soon develop um, very complicated relationships with her. But when Mila goes missing, uh, all eyes turn to the Steckler sisters as people begin to suspect that they had something to do with her disappearance. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And like I asked you uh, with your first book, what was the core idea that got you started on this one? Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting one, I think, because when I started thinking about what I wanted my follow-up to They Wish They Were Us to be, I wanted it to be a really different setting. Um, so this book takes place in the Catskills. It takes place in the winter in the Catskills or, you know, the fall, which which is not the beautiful summer that a lot of people think about. Um, it's kind of dreary and desolate um, and it's lonely and, and dark. Um, and, and just, uh, I think that the setting is, is a huge part of this book. But the idea really came about um, because there, a couple of years back, uh, maybe in like 27, 2018, I um, started working at Cosmopolitan Magazine. And one of the things that we were looking at all the time, or we kept hearing about all the time, were that young women were being abducted, killed, hurt, raped, maimed, all of these kinds of awful, awful, awful things while they were running and while they were out for jogs. And this is nothing new, but there was just a spate of cases that kept happening over and over and over again. And we ended up doing a big story on it. And I was just so um, obsessed and devastated by the idea of young women who have very little control over anything in their own lives, going out for what they think is a, you know, a, a jog, a run, something that makes them feel free and alive. And being hurt in a way that they never thought was possible. I just think that, I mean, there's nothing, there are very few things that are scarier than that to me because running is supposed to be something that you do for yourself. It's supposed to be this like really freeing, joyful thing that makes you feel strong. Um, and the idea that something terrible could happen to you while you're doing that is really just horrifying to me. Um, 
so I wanted to, the idea came about because I wanted to write a story about a girl who, who something terrible happens to her while she goes for a run and the way that that ricochets throughout the community. Um, I'm all, I also have a sister, uh, who is 18 months older than I am. We are really, really different, but we're really close. And I wanted to write about that relationship too. Um, and how sisters are, can be so close, but so different. And, and what that the competitive nature of that relationship is like, obviously I take that to an extreme level in, in my book in the fictionalized version. Um, but I think when I, I had those two ideas together and I really wanted to marry them and, and try to tell a story about this small town where running is the only thing that can get these sisters out of their small crappy town. But as you find out in the book, um, you know, in this town, it's called Edgewater. There's also a history of girls being hurt when they go running. You know, there's a, there are, there are a bunch of cold cases in this town, about three, three girls who go out running and never come back. And, um, you know, I wanted that to hang over this town. So it's, it's the one thing that can free these girls is also the thing that can hurt them. So that's really the the center of the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, because this newest book and, and your previous one were both thrillers and there's, you know, there's so much with uh, the different kind of twists and turns and, and adding that suspense. So I would imagine, and this is my assumption that you uh, do a good bit of like plotting and, and outlining before you kind of jump into a book, correct? I try to. <laughs> um, as as my my writer friend Andy Bart says, I'm a planter, which means <laughs> that I try to plot, um, but I'm really I'm really a pantser at heart, and so plotting is um, it's it's an ambitious goal of mine, and sometimes I get there, and sometimes I just have to wade through the mm. muck in order to to make it happen. <laughs> So when you, if you're not doing like a full on like plot, how much of like the, the secrets and the surprise do you have to know hand bef- do you have to know of beforehand for really kind of going down the road to, to write the book? Yeah. So usually, I mean, I always, you know, obviously start with the beginning, the premise mm-hmm. and, and the inciting incidents, and I always know where I want to end. Um, and then everything in the middle is kind of like the mess that I have to, to untangle. Um, but for me, I mean, I, I kind of, when I, when I'm starting a new project, I always start with an outline, a basic outline of like a few beats I want to hit. I try to do a three act situation. Um, and just usually it's a very detailed first act and a less detailed second act and a kind of mushy third act. Um, and then I also start writing like kind of at the same time to try to get a feel for the characters' voices and their perspectives and, and who they really are. Um, and as I'm writing, I find that the breadcrumbs and the red herrings pop up as, as I'm writing, as I get to know these people. So for example, right now I am working on the, a revision of my third book, which is going to come out next summer. We haven't really announced a lot of details about it, but it's definitely coming. Um, and I'm working on the revise for it. And the revise is, is all about plot. You know, it's all about how can we make the thriller aspect more, um, you know, dramatic and, and unbelievable and, um, then still fit into this, you know, have all of the, the pieces tied together really nicely in a way that feels really satisfying for readers. And for me, that looks like, you know, sprinkling more breadcrumbs throughout the book and, you know, pumping up the red herrings and, and making those, those clues a little bit more, um, jarring and also giving the protagonist more agency, you know, having her, um, 
you know, figure out a lot of these things on her own. Like that is what, um, you know, in a really, uh, active way, like that's what I'm working on now, because I think that, um, that's what always helps to make the, the reader go along for the ride with you, you know, and make them feel like they're investigating too. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a wonderful process and it's something that, you know, I feel like I learn something new about every single time, um, every single draft, every single scene. It's like, you know, it's just a gift to be able to do this kind of work and, and figure this stuff out as we go along. And then when, with your background in entertainment journalism, are there any kind of just like skills or habits that you maybe developed in that world that you've brought over and found helpful to you as an author? Oh, so many. Um, I mean, I can write really fast, <laughs> like really, really fast. Um, because before I worked at Entertainment Weekly, I was a, an editor at HuffPost um, back in the real aggregation blog days where I was writing like 10 posts a day. Um, and because of that, I just learned to churn out copy really, really, really fast. Um, I'm not precious about that kind of work and I just do it. And I think that's, um, that's really been a gift to me um, because I can get these drafts out pretty quickly and just go back and refine and refine and refine. Um, but I think I also, you know, I, I'm good at being edited. Um, I'm a good collaborator, I think, because I've worked on so many teams in this way. And journalism is a, it's a team sport in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm grateful for that. You know, I'm grateful for the, the collaborative spirit because I don't think I'd be able to do this kind of work without uh, my editor or the copy editors. Um, but yeah, I mean, all those skills are great. Yeah, I'm very, I, I think it's been a real wonderful foundation to have. And when it comes to especially uh, with writing uh, in your genre, when you're kind of deep in into a book, is that a time where when it comes to your reading life, you modify it? Like, do you kind of stay away from books that might be similar? Or are you kind of looking to see how they may have handled something, kind of be steeped in it that way? What's your kind yeah. of approach? I I'm reading all the time, um, whether I'm writing or not. Um, I, and I think like, I, I just finished this incredible book called The Plot um, by Jean Hamforlitz, I, I think is how you pronounce her name. Um, and it's this incredible adult thriller. I like, can't recommend it enough. It's so good. And it only like inspired the work that I was doing. Um, I am not one of those people who feels like I can't read while I'm writing. I just think it enhances um, it enhances me and it gives, it gives me a new perspective on, you know, the ways in which you can unravel, um, you can unravel a, a twist. I think it's great. Yeah. And I don't want to end our conversation without talking about, uh, they wish they were us getting optioned, uh, to be a series eventually on HBO max. What can you tell us about that? How has this experience so far been, uh, for you? that your, that your words are going to be up on the screen and, and acted out? Yeah. Um, what can I tell you? Let's see. Okay. Well, Sydney Sweeney is, um, starring as Jill Newman, which is so exciting. Um, she's also an executive producer on the show and she is kind of the one who like found it, found the book. Um, and I'm so excited to be working with her. She's just a genius in a lot of ways. Um, and Halsey has signed on to play Rachel, which is so cool. Um, and I think that's going to be really exciting for people who love the book and for people who love Halsey. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome, obviously. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. Um, we're still in the very early stages of development, but um, I have seen a few things that the team is working on, and I can just say that readers are going to absolutely love it. Um, and it's it's really fresh in a lot of ways. I think there there's not much like it on TV right now, so hopefully um, people will agree, but I'm just excited to see where it goes and have it, um, you know, be opened up to to a lot of new people. Um, one fun fact though is that it's called the Players Table, which which people might might know. Um, and that was the original title of the book when I was working on it um, in college. So that's always a little little treat for me. That's great. Well, let's wind things down. And as we do, I'll ask you a few questions. I ask all my author guests. First one being, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? Gone Girl, a hundred percent Gone Girl. Yeah. So that good. Fits. That fits. That tracks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Next question then. Is there a book or a series you're willing to admit you've either never read or never finished? I've never read Lord of the Rings. Okay. Or most fantasy series, honestly. I did read one Game of Thrones book, but um, yeah, like I haven't read a lot of that. I get it. I get it. And finally, <laughs> what is the last great book that you've read? Okay, well, I mentioned the plot, which mm -hmm. I literally just finished last night and can't stop thinking about. Um, but before that, I would have to say The Other Black Girl by Zakia mm -hmm. Delila Harris. It is so good. Um, that's another adult thriller that um, I think they're billing it as like Devil Wears Prada meets Get Out and that 100% tracks. It has this crazy, crazy twist that you definitely don't see coming. And I think it's genius. Great. Well, Jessica... They'll Never Catch Us comes out on July the 27th. Congratulations, and I wish you in this book all the best. Thank you so much. This was so fun. And that does it for this week. I want to thank Jessica for joining me. Again, her newest book, They'll Never Catch Us, is out on July the 27th. But right now, if you don't want to wait, you can check out her debut, They Wish They Were Us. That, of course, is out now. And stay tuned to the rest of the summer. We're going into August and we have a lot of great episodes uh, waiting for you. So until then, I'm Brock Shelley and until next time, keep reading.